Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning and welcome to a day of prayer and our morning Bible study. Before we get to the Word, let's all bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for who you are and who you are to us, our Father, our Lord, our Savior, creator of heaven and earth and everything in it. And we are, we just come to you boldly before your throne as we can as children of the Most High God but also in humility, humbling ourselves before you. And we're thankful for, for this day and for your Holy Spirit that you sent to, to lead us and to teach us all things concerning yourself, Lord, that we may exhibit your nature and your character and become conformed to the image of Christ. Lord, if there are any offenses, Lord, we... Lay them down at your feet. We forgive and ask you to forgive us. That we may fully receive everything that you have for us and not be hindered or limited. Again, Lord, we just ask you to reveal yourself to us in your word as we go forth. In the name of Jesus. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right, so today we're in 1 Samuel chapter 22. Um, so who would like to begin and read the chapter? I will, darling. All right, Tony, honey. Okay. Excuse me. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adalon. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. Then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother come here with you, till I know what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab, and they, Moab, I'm sorry, and they dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Now the prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. When Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered, now Saul was staying in Gebeah under a tamarisk tree in Ramah with a spear in his hand and all his servants standing about him. Then Saul said to his servants who stood about him, Hear now, you Benjamites. Will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? All of you have conspired against me, and there is no one who reveals to me that my son has made a covenant with the son of Jesse. And there is not one of you who is sorry for me or reveals to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as it is this day. Then answered Doeg the Edomite, who was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord for him, gave him provisions, and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. So the king went to call Ahimelech, the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's house, the priests who were in Nob. And they all came to the king, and Saul said, Here now, son of Ahitub. He answered, Here I am, my lord. Then Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, in that you have given him bread and a sword, and have inquired of God for him, that he should arise against me, to lie in wait as it is this day? So Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who among all your servants is as faithful as David? Who is the king's son-in-law? Who goes at your bidding? And is honorable in your house. 
Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Far be it from me. Let not the king impute anything to his servant or to any in the house of my father, for your servant knew nothing of all of this, little or much. And the king said, You shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. Then the king said to the guards who stood about him, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because their hand is also with David, and because they knew when he fled and did not tell it to me. But the servants of the king would not lift their hands to strike the priests of the Lord. And the king said to Doeg, You turn and kill the priests. So Doeg the Edomite turned and struck the priests and killed on that day 85 men who wore a linen ephod. Also Nob, the city of the priests, he struck with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and nursing infants, oxen and donkeys and sheep, with the edge of the sword. Now one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitab, named Abathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priest. So David said to Abiathar, I knew that day when Doag the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul. I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me. Do not fear. <clears throat> Excuse me. For he who seeks my life seeks your life. But with me you shall be safe. Mm -hmm. There's a lot in here. Mm -hmm. but, uh, so let's start in the beginning. Right? Beginning of the chapter says how David went to the cave of Adullam. Adullam. And uh, so, in that section, first, we'll say five verses, what did you guys get out of that? You guys and ladies, what did you get out of that? What did the Spirit minister to you? It's sure a small community. <laughs> right. Everybody knows where David is. Exactly where he is. I mean, I'm like, goodness gracious, I thought he was in hiding. <laughs> <laughs> Not doing very well. <laughs> no. The whole, you know, parade of his family going, Oh, yeah, David's there. over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's pretty interesting. And not only that, but everybody knew. Not a hide-and-seek champion. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, he wasn't at that time. He's, I mean, I'm sure he's going where the Lord told him to, but just I thought that was really, really unique because how could Saul not find him when every, everybody else seemed to be able to find him? You'd <laughs> be like, oh, he's over there across the street. Get him. At a moment's notice, like, right. they have time to move the... I'm sure his parents were older by now. Move his, his mom and his dad and the whole household and all the stuff, the sheep and everybody. You know, like, you're like, wow. Okay. But I, I see the, the everyone who was in distress, everyone who was dead, in debt, everyone who was discontented gathered to him. And he became captain over them. What's the significance of that for you for? Wasn't that like with Jesus where he said that was what he was coming for in the earth? I think it might be Matthew. I don't know. I have to look. Well, are you talking about the Beatitudes? Mm, no. No, no. To bind, I think that you're talking about Isaiah maybe, to bind the brokenhearted. To set at liberty the captives. That? Yes. That's too, but also how Jesus said he didn't come for the righteous, but he came for the sinners. Because if you think you're righteous, you have no need for a savior. Mm -hmm. Okay. I understand. Yeah, that's good. We, uh, natural human nature right, is to look for perfection. Whether it's in life, and business, and right? Yes. Everyone wants to, to find the person that already has the talents, already 
as the, the finances, the resources, the skills, the whatever. Looks pretty, has it all together. Exactly. Instead of accepting people that come, let's say as they come, right, and then helping them grow and develop. They would argue that it's probably cheaper, right, especially in a business sense, to get someone that's already that's already established. Yes. Vice help someone grow and become established, become capable. But what's better, both immediately and long term? You're helping someone change. You're helping someone see things and, and step into or fulfill a calling or whatever on their life, right? Yes. There's a change, a change in multiple aspects of someone's life. David accepted whoever, not just because of the place he was in. He talks about, yes, there were 400 men that came to him. It doesn't count their families or anything else. Mm-hmm. So... And, you know, I wouldn't say that he accepted whoever because, like, he would know the difference in someone that was wicked. Yes. Like, or was just trying going to run to Saul. Right, right. Exactly. So he yes. could, he would, you the know. Discernment there. Yeah, he would distinguish between those, you know, because the Lord was leading him and guiding him in that. But he, he took the undesirables. Those that genuinely the, wanted uh, rest, mm-hmm. protection, but also to contribute. Did you find the scripture, Layla? Oh, but Jesus did read where it was written of him in Isaiah, yes. and he said, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So, um, that's in Luke 4. Luke 4? Yes. Go ahead and turn there and see if that's the scripture that you're talking about, sweetheart. Is this the right one? Is this what you were talking about? Or do you were, I mean, I'm trying to help you work through it. You also have Matthew eleven twenty eight yes. and twenty nine. Mm-hmm. It says, "Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Mm-hmm. For my yoke is easy and my burden mm-hmm. is light." Which one were you talking about? Did we catch any of those? or? Yes, well, they all go together. Okay. <laughs> they, they're the... I didn't memorize any exact wording, but that's what I was talking about, the uh, gist of it. Okay, so then go ahead and make the... Make the connection. Yes, yes, please. So like with David, it was everybody who was in distress and debt and discontented. But he said, um, debt is a form of bondage, financial mm-hmm. bondage. So mm-hmm. Jesus, he said he would bring people out of captivity, captivity, uh-huh. and give them liberty. And then distress is brokenheartedness, grieving, sorrow, whichever mm-hmm. way you want to put that. And he said that he would deal with that. And discontented, restless, he would give you rest. Oh, so, amen. Mm-hmm. I didn't even look at that in that way till you said something. But and David didn't invite them. <laughs> they <laughs> just, just kind of showed up. Well, let's also look at that. What did David have to provide for them? What did he have to accommodate all these people? Nothing. He was barely surviving himself, right? Or just trying to survive, if you will. Five loaves of bread that he got. 
of old bread at that. Well, it was that day, but yeah, um, it's the show bread. So you have five, five loaves of bread and a sword, and well, this is not the same day the thing <laughs> arrived, right? So, but again, he didn't look at his natural resources or assets or what he had, right? Mm-hmm. It was everything in his life was a trust and dependency on the Lord to provide. It doesn't say that he turned these people away. Well, I don't have anything. you got to keep going. I'm in the same boat you are, right? No, he, he accepted them. He welcomed them in. And he was like, hey, get away from me. You know how you play hide and seek and everybody comes to your hiding place and you're like, get out of here. They're going to see me. He didn't do that either. He didn't sneak off in the middle of the night and leave them. And like, all these people, are going to slow me down. They're going to get me caught. He, didn't, he did not do that. So, which he was used to being a shepherd. Right? Yes. So... He knew this this element of work, if you will. He was used to protecting those who could not protect themselves and being the one that led them and guided them, right? Yes. Right? So. But it's not just for David. Mm-hmm. It's for all of us. Right? Instead of, and you see this same, I'll say, premise played out even with Jesus and the disciples, or the feeding of the 5,000 or the feeding of the 4,000, right? Instead of looking at their own I'll say natural abilities or resources or whatever the case was, right? Or this is what I have, I don't have it, this. He says, stop looking at that. In other words, the disciples had to do the same thing that Jesus had to do, which was go to the Father, bring it before the Lord, and trust Him. Mm-hmm. You see this same, same, I'll say, premise played out here in David's life. So one's Old Testament, one's New Testament, it still applies to us today mm-hmm. for our own lives. Mm-hmm. In all things, seek the Lord. Do what he says to do. Say what he says to say. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I appreciate it that um, we start to see, like, you know, the prophet... Gad coming out uh-huh. to David. You know, the Lord sent him out there to minister to him. And I think we mentioned yesterday that David had to begin to transition from his comfort zone, what he knew, and how to trust God in a new way, in a different way, and still be able to move with the Lord and flow with him. So, you know, you're seeing that settling coming about because he's, he's not overly emotional anymore. Clearly, because you have to put that aside in order to lead other people. It doesn't work well, you know, especially when people are depending on you and you're like, <laughs> you know, you're crying. and <laughs> they're, You know what I mean? You can't, you can't make wise decisions when you're overly encompassed in your emotions. So, you know, he's starting to think and strategize a little bit more, as sending his parents to Moab. And I didn't even know they were friends like that. For him to ask well, them. Uh, they, if they weren't, now there is a start of a relationship there, mm-hmm. right? Which, again, it's another kingly premise, right? Mm-hmm. The ability to go to another kingdom mm-hmm. and have the, the discussions, the agreements, right? Uh, modern day, that's um, you know, international relationships, right? Or international mm-hmm. relations is what they would be called. Mm-hmm. So you have that same thing there. He's already doing those things, you know, yes, and to better or benefit, I'll say his nation, and in this case it's his family, mm-hmm. right? But he's striking trade agreements and, and deals with another nation, another kingdom, to benefit his own. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, I mean, that, I think that's huge. And also there's, there is a trust factor there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we saw him going from pretending to be crazy <laughs> to, to now he's going in, you know, with some, confidence, some level of dignity and, comp- and knowing that the Lord will be there to help him because he could have just took them and ran forever and ran in circles or whatever. He could have done a, a myriad of things, but he st- instead chose to plant his parents somewhere and, and said, I'll just give me some time to let figure out what God is doing for me, and then, you know, 
work out whatever it is that they agreed upon. And, um, you know, I just, I love that, seeing how the Lord is giving him favor here and working on his behalf because David trusted him. Amen. So. Yes. Amen. Well, of course, much of this chapter is about Saul and his actions. So what did you get out of that? Starting from verse 6 on. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like Saul is very accusatory. Explain. I say, why did he do this? Why didn't he do that? Like assuming everybody knew that David was leaving and what David was planning or knew what Jonathan was up to. He's a prince. Not gambling around with low lives, if you will, like the servants. Well, servants have a knack of hearing and okay. seeing a lot because they're... They come and go, and they're in the midst of elbows, if you will, like people rubbing elbows, so they're flies on the wall. Um, so they they are actually privy to a lot of things. You, know, mm -hmm. you want to get the dirt on someone? Ask their servant. <laughs> if, they've got, if they have people that work in their household, that's because mm -hmm. they're often not paid attention to, and... People talk freely or don't know where they're standing or this, that, and the other. So they can they can hear and see quite a bit. But, um, but, but I think what you're referring to is verses 6 through 8, right? There are, you can argue it as accusations and yes, like, against the people of, hey, why didn't you know this or why didn't you inform me this? And essentially looking for people to feel sorry for him or to pity him. He said because, that none of you guys feel sorry for me. I wouldn't. Okay. As opposed to what's the bigger thing here? Like he was trying to get David for no reason. No. That's not quite it. Like, Dad, what do you mean? So everyone wants, Saul wants everyone to feel sorry for him, for what is happening in his kingdom, that he views it, his perspective on things, as, as a slight against him. But what is actually the bigger I'll tell you, it's this. Saul, the bigger thing is this. Instead of feeling sorry for Saul that all this stuff is happening, uh, that he feels it's against him, the, I'll say, sorrow should have come as a result of Saul not following the Lord. Mm -hmm. It's not a, he doesn't say, don't, he doesn't say, feel sorry for me because he's chosen not to follow the Lord. And not to, to listen and be obedient. And as a result, all these things are happening. It's, look at all this and life's not fair. Right? All these natural things. That, yep. All again, in the natural. Uh, I'm sure we've all said that in our own lives. Right? Life's not fair. Look what's happening. It shouldn't be like this. Yes. And I don't say that as a, as a mocking thing. But... Again, just like this, let's get to the core of the issue. If Saul had chosen to remain with the Lord, none of these things would have been going on. Division in his own house, and now he's not sure who's for him, who's against him. So I can't trust anybody in his whole kingdom. Well, he caused a division. Exactly. He caused all this division, but he's not saying, look at the source and the cause of everything that's going on. Why did I do He's this? He's just saying, look at all this stuff. <laughs> Feel bad for me that I have to experience all this stuff. So, Saul departing from the way of righteousness brought division into his household because his son was adhering to the path of righteousness. Yeah, amen. So, you know, we all should understand this in our life. Um... You have to choose righteousness, and you choose for yourself. When you guys are become parents, when you, when you get married and become mothers and fathers, you will choose for your children and your household. But ultimately, like, while even today and forevermore, you have to choose for you. Because there may be people going, you know, some people have been brought up with parents that don't serve the Lord. And it's still their job to choose to serve Christ. Yes. 
Does it mean you become unloving to your parents? Absolutely not. But it does mean that you go, I choose the Lord. I'm going to do righteously. And if the Lord will have to work out the details of you honoring him. But when it comes to your peers, when it comes to your coworkers, when it comes to you and your parents or your children, whatever the case is, be obedient to the Lord first. Don't put them in the place of the Lord. But if there's a if they want to pull you away, you have to be guarded on that. Right? So that's why we say don't pick a spouse for yourself, because the one God gives you will not cause you to stumble in that area. He's Absolutely. not gonna give you something that causes you to part to do to depart from him. He, he's not going to do that to you, but he's going to give you a good gift. And when he increases us or makes us wealthy, he Im improves a part of our life. He adds no sorrow with it. So he doesn't give you a stumbling block. When you ask him for a spouse, he's not going to give you a stumbling block instead, right? Yes. Jesus yes. describes something very similar to that. You ask for a fish, he's not going to give you a snake. You know what I mean? Yes. So, um, just be prepared to make your stance for the Lord and make it sure and to protect that decision to follow him, regardless of who's, who or what is trying to pull you astray. Don't, don't let it happen. And you see, Jonathan, even though he loved his dad and he respected him, he still honored the Lord first. Exactly. He couldn't go along with what his father was doing, mm -hmm. which, as you see, even in verse 6, right, uh, chapter 22, verse 6, that was what was driving Saul. Hatred, anger, mm -hmm. unforgiveness. His sole focus at this point clearly is to kill David. And, you know, David hadn't set up anything for himself. He wasn't secretly trying to get people to join him, you know what I mean, and stage a coup. He wasn't doing any of those things. He wasn't walking around going, I'm the king. You know, he didn't have a little secret crown in his bag that he would put on and wear on the battlefield. You know what I mean? He didn't do that. He honored Saul. So Saul was living, being tormented in his mind and pushing away someone that loved him. Yes, David had been anointed, but he didn't ask to be anointed. He didn't go, go uh, Samuel, hey, hey, pick me. He didn't do that. And at no, no point was he trying to exalt himself into that position. He knew it would come because God said so, but he was happy serving the Lord, serving Saul, even though Saul changed his wages multiple times, even though Saul set him up. And I'm sure David is not gullible or naive. I, I wouldn't put those descriptors on him. He's not naive, but he is compassionate and believes the best about the king that has already been anointed, and he respected that position, probably because he wanted his position to be respected. Also because he understood that the Lord appointed him. And the, the Lord, Lord appoints the leaders. Mm -hmm. And he would change the times and the seasons, right? This is still Saul's season to be king, and David would have his own season. He wasn't anxious to get on the throne and make a name for himself and do any of those things. He was letting the Lord do the work, and he was serving faithfully. That was his reputation through all the kingdom, which is why Ahimelech answered him, like, who's as faithful as David? Like, come on, what are you talking about? Nobody has the reputation that he has, so why would I think something was wrong? He's always been on the king's side. He's always been faithful to do what you've asked him to do. So... Yeah, in verse 14, exactly. He brought up all the points that David had made, right? Oh, he's on a mission. He's in, mm -hmm. this is, so in other words, he's re, recapping here, saying this is what he said. Mm -hmm. This is what he said he was doing. Why would I believe otherwise? Mm -hmm. He's been nothing but a faithful servant. Your most, as in Saul's, most faithful servant. The most out of all those people. When... Saul's still sitting around under a tree with a spear in his hand, which is like, right, what's wrong with him? His obsession with the spear? His obsession with killing David. That was, that was it. That was his driving force. That was his focus. That's sad. Not, not even protecting your own, uh, I'll say, subjects in your kingdom, mm -hmm. yeah. if you will, for lack of a better way to phrase it. But 
protecting the people in your nation, in your kingdom, from outsiders. You're just hunting and pursuing your own. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not you, uh, Saul, in this case. Saul, yeah. But that's significant. And yeah. But also with mm-hmm. Doeg, right? Because we saw him in chapter 21, right? Verse 7. Yes. Who was all but a, a I won't say random because it's not. But it was just one quick verse. Hey, there was this guy, Doeg, and he was the Edomite, and he was there. And. The uh, Right, exactly. And then it goes into David receiving the weapons from, or the sword, Goliath's sword from um, Ahimelech, the priest, right? Yes, yes. But now we see the why. He clearly was an informant or informed Saul of David and his whereabouts and all these, you know, all this stuff. And. Um, Saul, consumed with rage, with jealousy, with all these various, I'll say, characteristics and qualities that are not of the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, you see where it leads him to. And it wasn't just against the one person that helped him out. But it was to wipe out the entire, his entire family line. Mm-hmm. That's significant. Mm-hmm. And lumped everyone in. All the priests he considered guilty. Yes. But not just the priests. And city. The women, children, babies. Exactly. Now, animals. Wait a second. Don't you, don't you guys remember when God sent him on a mission? And he didn't and kill And said, a, raise it to the ground? He didn't kill a king. A, a guy, I think mm-hmm. But he brought back the sheep. He, right. he brought back the best. The choicest things he kept for himself. For the people to make an offering, but now when he should be protecting, he's mowing it, it down. So it goes that's a shows that it, his mind and has been warped and it is twisted, um, because these people did nothing wrong. You know, wasn't the Lord didn't ask him to do that? That was ungodly and unloving. But I was also like, do I? I have mixed feelings about him. I guess. Why is that? Well. He seems like the kiss of tight, but also like the bad fly or whisper in your ear type that plants corrupt ideas. Like, there's always that person that plants corrupt ideas under the guise, I'm helping you, I'm doing you a favor, I'm really for you. Well, is that not a natural thing, right? He's opportunity in this. Mm-hmm. Yes. Totally disregarding the fact that. Wait, when Saul commanded his own troops to kill the priests, they, didn't move, they didn't move. They refused to comply with the order or the command that they were given. And he's only a hurt. There was no pause here in Doeg. The king, or Saul in this case, turns to Doeg and says, well, then you do it. He wouldn't do it himself. Right. He, he has a spear in his hand. He's been holding it <laughs> all day. Right. So he has his weapons. Why didn't he do it? Because he was afraid he knew it wasn't right. He knew it wasn't right. But also, like, Doeg, he was a herdsman. He was a nobody, really. All he did was keep the king's sheep. Hey, David got a wife out of it when he killed mm-hmm. Goliath. Yes, I get that, but I'm, I'm saying. We're supposed to have a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. But in the grand scheme of things, Doeg's nobody. And killing the priest, I don't see that as a prize thing like a pat on the back here you go here's a few coins right unarmed unarmed people mm-hmm. and it's a known fact that they're unarmed yes mm-hmm. yes it's okay well let's let's look at this exactly here's a, a situation clearly each man is tempted when they're drawn away by their own lust right and Each man is tempted when they're drawn away by their own lust, right? So let's look at this, set, this situation here, this setup. An opportunity presented itself to Doeg to do something, to, to gain some kind of increase, right? Yes. An opportunity came for him to... Or at least he perceived it that way. Mm-hmm. Well, Saul, Saul does have a pattern yeah, and a, a history of, I'll give you this if you do that. You know, he, he makes bargains. 
and exchanges with people. And, you know, and there, in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with rewarding people for doing a good job, but that's not necessarily the only way that Saul uses that. So here's Doeg. Um, and an opportunity presents itself. What are his desires, right? What are, what are his personal desires? Most people... At a minimum, there's to gain favor. To gain favor with the king. That may present it. Whether it's an immediate opportunity mm -hmm. or at a future time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Having the king and your relationship be favorable. Yep. That totally has advantages. It does. It's favor for your household. That's favor for who knows what, right? Who knows what it could lead to. So, each man is tempted, right? Yes. And he's drawn away by his own lust. So then now presents, in order to get this favor, like in, he, he's the only one that's willing to step up and help the king, right? So he provided information. And then you see that information go way wrong. What was done with the information. But somebody asked you to do something that you should not do. What are you going to do? But here you want this perceived benefit. Right? And for a benefit to be a benefit, it has to be perceived by the one who the opportunity comes to. Yeah. Right? So it's all in perception. You, you want to be favored. You want to get this thing. Well, it's going to cost you doing this wrong action over here. What do you do? Because at this point, lust is at play. And I'm not talking about sexual lust. There's lust for other things, right? Yes. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life mm -hmm. that Jesus talked about. Yes. So it's not necessarily sexual lust. Is the only, that's not the only kind of lust there is. But each man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own lust. Something that you desire, that you perceive a value. So now, when he should have turned and said, no, that's wrong. Actually, he probably should have held quiet because I'm, I'm sure the Holy Spirit was like, hey, just hold just your tongue. Be, right. Yeah, hold your tongue. Be, be at peace. But he wanted something. So you, you st he stepped into it. He was willing to betray someone else to get mm -hmm. it. And even if he didn't know what was going to happen. Okay, so then when we come to this, this next thing, everybody else is going, no, we know this is wrong. You're not going to kill the priests of the Lord. It's, like, not, it's not a lawful order, so we're not going to carry it out. So they're, they're all staving their swords, and, and these are the, the men of battle, right? They're, they're the guards. They're the ones that come to fight, if you will. But here is Doag from... What did he yeah. do again? He's a herdsman. Okay. Um, shouldn't even... <laughs> That's what I was thinking. What are, what are his tools, right? But the opportunity to go, are you going to continue in this? Or are you going to come to your senses? Remember we talked about when desires rise up on the inside of you and it's almost like driving you and pressing you to do something? Do it. You got to do it now. You got to. Nope. Don't oh. do it. Don't listen to that kind of thing. There should be nothing that you desire except for the Lord Jesus Christ Himself that you desire so much that you're willing to do anything to get it. Because then you'll do anything to get it and cause sin and hurt and harm to others. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. So, because clearly. His desires are, are rising up and becoming great, and they're not godly desires, right? Now you're taking these fleshly routes to trying to bring yourself into whatever the perceived opportunity was, whatever the perceived blessing or increase was to him, whether it was valid or invalid. His own internal desires led him into doing something that was gravely wrong and cost other people their lives at his hand. So as we're going through life, you know, God is going to make promises, right? He's going to, and he's already made his promises, but he's going to instruct you and tell you guys things. He's going to go, hey, I have this for you. I want this in your life. And there may be the temptation for you to go, thank you, Lord, 
and then go off and try to carry it out on your own. Right? But don't do it. Or somebody comes to you and goes, hey, I can get you this whatever uh-huh. real quick. Right? You want to be a movie star? All it's going to cost you is a little, bit, a little of this, a little of that. Wait. When God makes rich, he adds no sorrow with it. He doesn't bring us, he doesn't bring us into good things by a guilty path. He doesn't go sin, 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 and then somehow I'll use that sin to make it right. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So this never could have gone a right way for Doag. You understand what I'm saying? There was no good to come out of this for him, but he couldn't see it because he was blinded. And sin doesn't have the opportunity to come about in your own life until you give it life. You give life to it, right? So keep your desires in line with Jesus, right? God, I don't want anything that you don't want for me. I understand what I see over there. I understand it looks like it's fun and et cetera, et cetera. But I want what you have for me, Lord. And if something does seem like it just keeps um, coming back to you, like you, and it's not something that has already been laid out in the word of God as sin, and there's, you know, like something, you want a house, right? Or a, a new car or something of that nature. Or you are an unmarried person and you already you want to be married. Bring that desire to the Lord. Let him bring it to pass. But don't try to do it in your flesh. Don't try to get it by your own means and gain it for yourself because you were going to sin. And sometimes those sins are, are grave. They are severe. They are serious. Absolutely. And it's not something that can be reversed. Like these people, yes, there's life eternal, and the Lord could have raised them from the dead if he wanted to. But that wasn't the case for them. Yes. Um, so. Also, not to compare or contrast or anything, how does David handle this situation? Because um, Abiathar escapes, right? And he seeks out David. And he informs of what happened. How does David handle? He offers him refuge. Okay. And he also apologizes, even though it's not directly his fault. He acknowledges his role in this. Mm-hmm. He makes it plain. doesn't try to, to hide it or sugarcoat it. He makes it plain. It says, this is the, the part I played in this. Mm-hmm. So, that's significant. Right? You see that with David. He's always doing some, let's say, self-reflection. He's always judging himself. You see that even in here. Not months later, not right in the moment. Hey, this was my role. Yes, there's the apology. And then there's also the, you have the option. You can come stay with me mm-hmm. because your life's at stake as well. Mm-hmm. Same as mine. Yes. So stay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's significant. And I like that Abiathar didn't come there to blame him. Exactly. Clearly, Abiathar kept the, the, the fault squarely where it, where it was. Mm-hmm. He didn't go, David, if you had never came there, then this would have, because David had every right to go to the house of the Lord, right? Yes. But yes. trouble happens in people's life, right? There's, there's um, trouble that's common to man. Yes. And it's a matter of what will you do with it. There are hard things that happen. Will you forgive? Or will you become embittered by it? Will you stand up and move on? And, you know, it's okay to tell the Lord how it made you feel. It's okay to um, express how you emotions in that moment that are not sinful against the Lord. But then you get up and you move on. You forgive and you continue to walk with the Lord. Or some people go, I can never forgive that. And they continue to be embittered and it derails their whole life which actually you see Saul become embittered and Absolutely. not take responsibility I was but bring that up with Saul who is Saul really upset with or who should he be upset with he's yes. upset with the Lord exactly mm-hmm. who is he taking it out on David. everybody everybody 
Yes, it started with David, sure. But now it's the priests, now it's their families, now it's it's their the city. Their the city, the livestock, the everything. All because Saul is really upset with the Lord. So uh, I say that to say this. Don't be, don't get upset when people take out their frustrations on you. Is it fun to go through? Does it feel great? Absolutely not. But let the Lord reveal what they're really, what's really going on there. Because in the moment, in the natural, it just looks like someone's maybe attacking us. But the Lord knows what's really going on beneath, uh, I'll say, the deeper things. He knows the deeper things. He knows what's going on beneath the surface. But Saul's anger with the Lord has led to all these different things and taking it out on all these different people instead of just coming and making things right. Instead of being upset with himself. Exactly. Because that, that's who he should be upset with because God didn't do anything wrong. Right? Yes. And being honest about, okay, I, that he missed it, right? Why did he miss it? What's going on with him that led him to that place and then come back and make it right? Like that, like you said, sweetheart. And you even see an example of with David, right? And Abiathar. It's like, hey, I, I messed up. This is my role in this. And then the attempts to make things right. Mm -hmm. Not taking it out on other people. So, But also with that, if you see that you are taking things out on other people, there should be pause and reflection and uh, examine yourself, judge yourself to figure out what is or to bring it before the Lord and have him reveal what's the deeper thing, what is really going on. And then bring that under subjection mm -hmm. to the Lord. Lay it down at his feet. Mm -hmm. So stop Address and deal with that thing, exactly. Yeah. Don't keep taking it out on other people. Stop. Be quiet in the moment. Usually it happens with words first. Be quiet in the moment. Stop the actions and go, go somewhere by yourself and go talk to the Lord and leave it at his feet. Don't continue assaulting other people and hurting them with your words or with anything else. Don't just keep and going, oh, I'm taking this out on them. I'll talk to you about it later, Lord. Nope, 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 nope. Stop your actions and go, go somewhere by yourself and, and get in line with him. Get in alignment and forgive and be honest. Because in order for you to do these things, you have to be honest with yourself. And go, oh, I'm really upset about this. Or I was hurt over that. Or whatever the case is. And if you're mad at, if you're mad at the Lord, and sometimes I can sneak up on people. They don't necessarily know that they're mad and angry with God. But when you get down to it and figure it out, and, you know, as the Holy Spirit helps you, apologize to him because he's never wrong. He's never. always only right. So if there's fault to be had, put it, put it where it goes. It should be on, well, on me, on you, on other, whatever it is, right? Whomever. It's always on the individual. And then forgive and move forward. Okay? Yes. yes. Even after you figure out who's really to blame, if that... If, it, if you're mad at God, then more than likely it's you. <laughs> oh, no, there's not more than likely. It's always you. Okay. If you're mad at God, the issue lies solely with you. So, you know, and sometimes people are like, God, why did you let this happen to me? You know, those kind of things. And I'm not making light of it. Um, but still, he's not at fault because he gave us free will. Yes. So if it was because of our lack of following or parent didn't do something they were supposed to. You still have to come to the same conclusion. It's not God's fault, number one. And number two, you must forgive. And it doesn't matter. There's no little or big. There's a limitation on how much or what kind of quality of things you should forgive. Or, you know, you forgive everything and you forgive now. Mm -hmm. Because while Jesus was in the act of being murdered, looking he, at his murderers. He was forgiven. He forgave them. So, I'm sorry. We are not the God of all creation and completely innocent. And so following his footsteps, you don't, we're without excuse is what I'm saying by Absolutely. that. If he could do it and did it and showed us that was his example, then we must do it. Because yes. it's, and it's for our benefit. Exactly. 
It is absolutely for our benefit. So um, forgive. And forgiveness doesn't mean that you're foolish. It doesn't mean, you know, someone is committing heinous crimes. Yes, so you, forgive you them. tolerate that. That's not what we're saying. That's not all. what we're saying. God didn't ask us to be doormats or punching bags. He didn't ask that. There is, we are to be righteous, mm -hmm. and we are to look for justice as well. Absolutely. Righteous and just, just like our Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. All right? Mm -hmm. so let's pause there. Who wants to close this out in prayer? All right, promise. Dad, I just thank you for providing a way of escape for everybody and just showing us the right way to go. And God, I also thank you for just showing us what's really happening with ourselves and giving us a way of escape through giving us a way to escape out of the show we're about to, that we're about to bring on ourselves. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. We love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.